Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Hello and welcome for today's Go for Leadership episode with uh, Eric Shepard. Go for Leadership interviews. Eric, welcome to the show. Thank you, Daniel. Great to be here. Eric, for our audience, uh, maybe a 30 seconds introduction of yourself. Sure. It's difficult to, to, to do 30 seconds, but here we go. <laughs> I was born and, and raised in, uh, in London, England. Uh, I stumbled into the computer industry in my uh, late teens and was lucky to kind of ride uh, the growth of the IT industry. Uh, ended up on the board of directors of a company in, uh, in London, was transferred to the US to run a company there when I was kind of 28 years old. I then uh, started, uh, I left that company and started, um, started new businesses, new IT businesses that distributed products from around the world into the US. Out of that, I uh, came in contact with a great company called Question Mark that did assessment software. So assessed knowledge, skills, and abilities. And uh, so ended up working with them um, for about 25 years. Uh, so I was representing other products, but then I just focused on that product, became their CEO. Uh, I stepped down from that role a couple of years ago. Um, when I stepped down, they were doing tens of millions of exams per year. They provided the infrastructure to the SAP certification program and uh, uh, managed driving tests and regulatory compliance tests. So I, I come to this conversation today with a lot of experience about knowledge, skills, behaviors, uh, and, and the assessment of those kind of things. And also with the experience of being um, a, an executive CEO, uh, taking a, a company from a small number of employees and a small revenue to a much larger revenue with a much larger set of employees based all around the world. Awesome. Thank you so much for that great introduction. Eric, and I think you are more than qualified to give your view or a definition of, of yourself, how you would define leadership. What does leadership mean to you? So uh, let me first start out by saying, as I've been a leader of organizations, I, I was never perfect. In fact, I think my imperfections used to shine through. And since I've had time to reflect on my leadership of those organizations I've, I've learned through that reflection so i know many of your uh, people listening will be in leadership positions and i would encourage them just to take time to learn about leadership through your podcast through other things to kind of discover what they don't even know they don't even know um, so i'll have one point of view of leadership but it's a multifaceted beast uh, I think one key thing is to know and understand the vision, kind of where are you going, why are you going there, uh, who's going with you, kind of what's the mission, vision, and purpose, and and be representing that to to the people that you work with, whether they be employees or gig workers or customers or suppliers. You've got to know why your organization exists and what the vision is for that organization. I think that the other thing the um, the leadership team has to do and the leader has to do is, is define culture and be an example of culture. So whether that's uh, being open or whether it's being uh, very directed. So if we think of, for instance, a fast food restaurant, uh, then it's going to be very much command and control. This is what you do. This is how you do it. 
that's part of their culture. Or if you're in an IT business, it's about cultivating curiosity and uh, quality and, and meeting the customer's needs. So setting the right culture for the organization that is sim uh, it runs in sympathy with the mission, I think is the second important thing a, a leader needs to do. And then I think the third thing is uh, engage people as people, engage them as humans. Uh, we, we can't automate relationships. And especially when you're leading people, uh, you need to demonstrate your humanity and uh, your foolishness and your ignorance. But also, uh, even while you're demonstrating your vulnerabilities, you're still leading the team uh, through culture and vision. I love that. Um, let's say stepping into the, the strategy piece, how, how do you... Uh, and foster, let's say, in particular in these difficult times to keep track on, on the strategy that you defined as a leader and, and, let's say, continue on the path that you has, have given the team or even the company. Yeah. So setting strategy is easy. Execution is tough. So, <laughs> and we could all come up with, you know, the PowerPoint or something about strategy. Yeah, execution is tough. The best tool that I found out there was OKRs. Um, so OKRs was developed at Intel uh, a few decades ago. It was a key tool used within Google, and it's used uh, now as a, a commonly in high-tech companies. And OKRs stands for Objectives and Key Results. So the objectives is kind of the, uh, the, the direction that you're going in. So we are going to improve customer satisfaction. That's just the objective, improving customer satisfaction. But now what are the key results that would say whether we've met that. So uh, typically at a team level, uh, you can generally handle three. I wouldn't say more than three uh, objectives and uh, three uh, key results per objective. So if you'd say improve customer satisfaction, well, how are we going to measure that? Uh, or we could say, well, um, how often we could look at an NPS score, net promoter score. We could look at a uh, number of uh, conversations, length of conversations, uh, engagement with our platform, whatever the metric is, we can use those as the solid metrics. So if those metrics change from this to this, we would say we've improved uh, um, uh, our um, customer service. So there's a great book on it. I, I can't remember what it is, but uh, uh, I would encourage you to um, presume you do some show notes or something. You'd send out an email. I'd be happy to share the details on that. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, um, it's not as strong as SMART goals. So SMART goals are um, specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound. And they're great. The trouble with SMART goals, it doesn't allow the flexibility that we need to run an agile environment. So within these times of pandemic and COVID, we've got to be much more agile. And we say, yeah, we did have a yearly goal of this, but let's be realistic, guys. There's a pandemic <laughs> in case you missed the memo. Mm -hmm. So let's get back to our OKRs and say, are these the right OKRs for this month, this quarter, this year? And so you can run it on a weekly basis. You can run it on a monthly basis, whatever fits to the culture and the, and, and the organization. But that is a great tool to help maintain agility whilst they're executing strategy. I love that. And I think a, a very important aspect in particular to, to use OKRs uh, and, and let's say 
perform and transform is as well the cultural aspect as you also introduced in your definition of leadership. How, how would you describe uh, it is possible for leaders these days in, in the time of distance where we are all sitting in our whole, own home offices, let's say it this way, um, how do you um, yeah, foster or enable a, a culture, let's say, in an organization? So uh, I'm going to answer with kind of two parts to that. One is uh, communications is key. So the idea of uh, town hall meetings with, uh, so communications and broadcast and interactive. So lots of the platforms that we use now commonly, Microsoft Teams or Zoom or Slack or others. Um, and so communications is definitely key and demonstrating the values of the organization. And then coming down to the individual level, having one-on-ones with your key people having real human conversations and recognizing certainly it was more prevalent a year ago. I think there's less prevalent now, but people have real fears. Uh, they fear they're going to lose their job. They fear that their company is not going to do so well. Uh, now, as we come out of the pandemic, as the, as the uh, vaccinations uh, pool of vaccinated people increases, uh, people now have fears about going back to the office Uh, it's a change from their routine. You know, they've got settled into this routine for the last year. Now they've got to change again. How are they going to cope with that, uh, et cetera? So one-on-one -on -one conversations and, and as a leader, just listening to people's fears and concerns. And, you, you know, you're not, your you're not their therapist. You're not their doctor. But at least understanding and empathizing with that can, can help you um, at least lead with empathy but still get the job done. Like that. The, the third aspect that you mentioned is, is the people aspect. So how, how do you encourage people uh, following your, your vision and passion? Uh, I think for me, at least, I've done also a lot of, um, let's say, summits, uh, presentation on summits and keynotes. But it was always hard to bring, let's say, and we talked about that into, in the introduction, so hard to bring the, the, the passion across. So do you have any, any ideas how, how to bring, let's say, the passion across uh, to the teams? Well, the, yes. So people expose passion when they're intrinsically motivated rather than extrinsically motivated. So, for instance, if we uh, provide more incentives, that can actually demotivate someone in, in some circumstances. In other places, it will be motivational to them. Um, intrinsically motivated is, is when we care about the organization, we care about our people, we care about the mission, we know that we're doing good. And so as a leader, it is um, providing a culture that is enabling people to be intrinsically motivated. They want their group, their tribe to succeed. Uh, so I think that's then you can unleash passion. The other thing is to provide psychological safety. So there's various aspects of psychological safety. Um, but uh, th that when people make mistakes, it is a matter that that's a learning experience and to support them. And, and especially if they feel bad about their mistake is say, look, you've, you know, there's lots of examples that I had in my a career as CEO, that people would make pretty serious mistakes. But I figured they learned their lesson 
and they were great for the job. So it was a matter of encouraging them to say, look, it's fine that you made a mistake. It's uh, it was an expensive training course. Uh, but so as an example, and then kind of bringing the personalities together in the team. So uh, managing some sensitive conversations to help parties understand one another so that they then feel safe together. And um, so we, we often talk these days about diversity, inclusion, and, uh, and equity, but we can also talk about belonging, that I actually belong to this tribe. I belong to this organization. And so I feel included, etc. So sometimes the leader has to facilitate conversations to ensure that their diverse team with diverse styles and diverse patterns of thinking are bringing that to be creative and it, that can be very inspiring inspiring uh, uh, to, to the members of the team. Love that. Uh, mm -hmm. Let's maybe touch base a little bit um, your experience as well in, in let's say, reviewing um, the expertise and skills and knowledge of, of individuals. How did you, um, let's say, um, how did you have done that? And what was the, the learning that you did in, in that phase of your career? So, Uh, in the face of the career that I was learning about, it was specifically about assessment. So at the, when you're at the assessments level, you kind of know someone else has done the work of knowing which knowledge and skills are required to perform a task. Now, as life has progressed, the fourth industrial revolution is changing the tasks that we perform. So now it becomes important for a leader to understand what this all means. So, A task requires knowledge and skills to perform that task. If that task goes away because a robot does it, automation does it, that someone's not going to need to do that task anymore, but there's probably going to be another task that they should do. So we might find that the accountants within our organization uh, don't need to do accounting anymore because we've computerized it at AI, at machine learning, and now a lot of it's automated. Well, it happens that those, the skills needed by an accountant and the tasks performed by an accountant can be usefully applied to other aspects of the business, maybe in quality control, looking at the statistics, even um, social media impact. So uh, just because someone has a job title of, of accountant, doesn't mean that their knowledge and skills mean that they can only do accounting. So it's a matter of connecting what are the new tasks that need to be done. Um, do people, could people already do those new tasks with the knowledge and skills? And if not, how are we going to upskill them, reskill them? Um, because these people are committed to our business. We don't want to throw them out and get another bunch in because the new bunch coming in are going to have different kind of issues. Let's mm -hmm. take the people we have, let's work out where their knowledge skills are and do a match to the new uh, job. So the fourth industrial revolution is going to be very exciting. It's going to be very good um, uh, for uh, uh, socially, but we do have to get this reskilling and upskilling right to be healthy individuals, healthy organization, healthy teams. I like that as well because um, I think there there's always a match uh, and even maybe not inside the company, maybe there's even a match outside the company for a particular uh, skill set. 
but I think it, it is also the responsibility of a leader or an organization to um, help this individual out if there is, let's say, in, in, in another move or development required. So how do you have seen people following these trails and, and following, let's say, the guidance of upskilling and reskilling? Because, I mean, there is, of course, a certain level of people that, that love that, that journey and they are following that journey, but there is also a lot of people that maybe fear going that that way or that journey. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Daniel. And in any change, we have to kind of explain uh, the problem of not changing and the advantage of changing. So when people are fearful of the future, uh, it's uh, up to a leader to help them understand the fear of not changing and the benefits of changing and then introduce them to upskilling and reskilling. Uh, there are also different opportunities both for organizations and for individuals with the gig economy. So now there are choices um, which I shortcode as build by uh, a borrow or bot. And what I mean by that is that organizations can take in people that are unskilled and they can train them. And uh, they, they might take them in fresh from college or they might take mature workers and upskilled. So build the talent within the team. Borrow is consultant. So I, uh, I don't employ um, a, an, a, a certified public accountant within my organization, but I just once a year, they come in and they audit my books and, and I get a certificate, I'm in good to go. So consultants have been around for a long time. Uh, there's still places for, to use them. So uh, uh, buy-in, uh, so I need a senior executive. I need a new chief financial officer. I need a new chief operating officer. I don't have time to build that talent. I've got to go and uh, get somebody from the marketplace. I've got to work out what are the tasks they're going to do? What are the behaviors that I need them to do to be successful in that task? And now let me uh, go and, and uh, recruit that person. Not because I like them, not because they've got an impressive job history, although that is a good predictor, but are they going to fit into my team? Do they have the right kind of personality traits, the right drives? Do they share the vision? Do they share the culture, etc.? And then um, lastly, Bob, should I be automating this stuff? Um, so should I really be recruiting somebody to publish to my 12 social media platforms or should I have a console that just automatically does that? So instead of employing a lot of people, uh, a leader will have to make decisions about automation. But as they automate, say, okay, how am I going to be do the right thing and then bring these people back that have been automated out of a job to upskill them into jo jobs that they're suitable for? I think that's also a very interesting aspect, right? To see where the value has been or is being created. And I think that has also yes. a lot of to do with automation, right? Yes. So yes. whenever you have the, the possibility to automate, you can put, like you said, the people back into areas where you can, you can create and accelerate even the value and maybe even put them into positions where you can increase the um, competitive advantage. So your company as, uh, as the whole can, can improve. You're absolutely right, Daniel. And also, it lets us be human. Uh, and what that does is help our brand become human. Uh, we're not a machine. Because what's going to happen, in my opinion, is all this automation robotics is going to uh, potentially make all brands look the same. 
So it really is up to our people to be distinguishing. Uh, so in retail or business to business, it's the people that are going to make a difference. Now, a hundred years ago, people became machines. We moved from the farm to the factory and we did things that are better suited for machines, but we didn't have machines at those times. So we used to bolt wheels on cars and we used to put engines in cars and things on a repetitive basis. That's all automated. Now we have the ability to return to being human and that's actually good for business because it's going to help um, improve the humanity of our brand. Absolutely. Now you're, also working a lot with uh, clients, let's say as a coach and, and consultant, what are their headaches? What, what keeps them awake at night? Uh, and in particular also in the crisis. I work with uh, clients to keep my hand in and, and understand the realities. So I, uh, what keeps them awake at night? I think some of the subjects that we've talked on today and, and the, how do we change? How do we be agile? How do we take people working jobs that are not required anymore into jobs that we do require? Uh, so that's very much the, uh, that aspect. I, I consult for a diverse set of companies, but a very limited set because my real passion is um, helping people understand how to stay relevant in the new world of work, the new world of learning and the new work of, of leadership. So that's why I was very excited when you invited me to be on your podcast because This is the kind of work that I enjoy to help people understand there's this fourth industrial revolution coming. Things are going to change. Don't get hit by the bus. Don't get surprised by what's happening here. It's a matter of um, lifelong learning, learning new skills, discovering what you don't even know you don't even know. Um, so that consumes most of my time. We do podcasts and webcasts and write blog articles and it's all free of charge. You know, the IT industry treated me well. And, uh, and so part of my giving back is to help people understand a little bit the future so that they can better prepare for it. I love that. Now, Eric, if you think back when you started your career as a leader, um, what would have been the advice that you have given the younger yourself? Oh, my goodness. I think one would read more, learn more, uh, find a mentor that would tell me what I was missing, uh, uh, you know, find a mentor, a coach. Um, I, and um, uh, uh, some of the things I've explained today uh, have someone to kind of coach me along the way for that. So, you know, like all of us thought I was doing the best I could, Uh, I think I kind of think of um, life as a, a gift. A gift. We're given gifts during our life. And, and our job is to complete a jigsaw puzzle. So there's a big picture. And each day and each week, each month, we get a little piece of the jigsaw puzzle that we're putting it together. And the faster we can put that jigsaw puzzle together, the more we can enjoy life and, uh, and make a good contribution to society. And I, I wish I'd understood some of those pieces in the jigsaw puzzle earlier on in my career. <laughs> I like that. Go for Leadership, the podcast with Daniel and Gerd. Thank you so much, Eric, for being our guest today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks so much for inviting me. It was very enjoyable, Daniel. Go for Leadership, the podcast.